0: Good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Harriet Kamuk with Down to Earth. And today is going to be a great day. Let me just start out by saying that today is going to be a great day. I don't know what else we have to do, but we're gonna have a great day, right? That's all I can say. (laughs) Because it's it's just crazy what's going on. My, My daughter just sent me a funny meme. Uh, So today is Suicide Prevention Month and I just lost my feed (laughs) because people keep sending me stuff. And um, sorry, did you just lose your camera for a bit? And (laughs) it's funny what happens when you're when you're live streaming. Do you know that? It's it's, it's hilarious. But anyway, so my daughter sent me a meme. I want to make your day funny. Listen to this. And it says, welcome to September in mid-Michigan. Before you leave the house, be sure to grab your sunglasses and your umbrella, and don't forget to take a Zyrtec and an antidepressant and put on sunscreen and dress in layers and make sure your windshield scraper is in the car. <laughs> See, you, if you lived in Michigan, you would know why that is true. You know why that is true? Because here in Michigan, in one day, you experience all four seasons. I, I kid you not. It's, it's the craziest thing. Hello. Hello, DJ Damages. How are you? Right? In one day, you experience all four seasons in Michigan because we live in the Midwest. Shout out to us, right? And what happens in Michigan is we tend to experience all four seasons in one day so before you leave your house in the morning take your sunscreen take your sunglasses your umbrella and make sure your car scraper is in the car thanks for reminding me i don't have one in my new car uh thanks very much for reminding me <laughs> right i kid you not because michigan is just crazy uh and, and just watching me put on my my sweater on here and lock my feet gosh anyway you love me. Yes, you do. You do love me. Thank you for loving me. With all my imperfections this morning, just a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's September. September does that to you. But guess what? It's a glorious month because September is kind of like that month that you get to just sit back, relax from all the activities of summer and, you know, plan your next, which is... Halloween and fall and Thanksgiving and seeing all your family members at Thanksgiving dinner. Who is going to do that this year? Not me. (laughs) Right? And uh, then my birthday and then Christmas. And then before you know it, it's 2020. So I want to show you something. So it's that time of the year when you start having to get your planner. So remember, I told you how organized we need to be? So. This was, this is my 2020 planner. So this is 2019 into 2020. My previous planner looks, it looks familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, that's because the previous planner was the 2019 planner. So this is my 2019 into 2020. So for the next three months of the year, plus the entire, uh, plus the year of 2020. So if you were to ask me why, well, when you're planning, you, you like to plan out, right? You plan out stuff and You like to have a pretty good idea of what you're planning because it's now September. So you're also making plans for January, February, March, February, Valentine's, March, April, and spring. And then, of course, for me, my daughter is graduating high school next year. So I better get that on deck. (laughs) So it's something that I haven't forgotten, Missy, because she keeps reminding me that graduation is up. Oh, Lord. And here we go again, another college admissions next year. Oh, Jesus, take the case and give me the pillow. So for those of us who have kids in the 12th grade and the 11th grade, ACT and SAT are coming up, right? And children are nervous, panicking, don't know what they're gonna do. So I have something hilarious to tell you. So my daughter is in the 12th grade. So she has her anatomy teacher. She wanted to do anatomy because obviously she wants to go to med school, right? So her anatomy teacher, this is 21st century America. Let me just emphasize that just in case. Uh, When I wear uh, headphones, there's a reason I don't like wearing them because they make my hair look funny. But anyway. So this is 20th century America, 21st century America. Her anatomy teacher insists that she gets a binder with dividers. So I was a little taken aback when a couple of days ago I was out and she's like, "Mom, uh, get me a binder while you're out, okay?" But then I, you know, I was like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, just a minute. Did my 17-year-old just ask me to get her a binder? She's in the 12th grade." And in about seven months, she's going to graduate. But, you know, I just said, well, maybe she needs it for some project. I don't know. So I went and I got her a couple of binders. Well, yesterday she revealed why she needs a binder. Her anatomy teacher says she needs a binder with dividers in the 12th grade. Because when she goes to college, she will need a binder. I mean, we were rocking hilariously around here. I'm like did she go to college like 50 years ago, 70 years ago? I'm like, I can't imagine in this modern age, what college student do you see walking around a college campus with a binder? All college students have a laptop and tablets with keyboards that they take notes in. Nobody pulls out a binder. And no professor has time to go check your binder. What is this, the fifth grade? So I said to her, honey, Deal with her so I don't have to because (laughs) you do not want me to go down to the school and ask this 12th grade anatomy teacher. Matter of fact, you might just remind me, I might just need to send the principal a note and say, what kind of foolishness is that? I hope you're gonna teach my daughter 12th grade anatomy in preparation for a college course. And not, and not a binder check in the 12th grade. You've got to be kidding me. Don't waste my tax dollars here. I mean to say the things that some of these educators, and they like to call themselves educators, they are the good ones I think have left the profession because who are left? It's very rare that you find a good teacher who really is involved with the students, loves the students, and is motivated for their success. I mean, what's a 12th grade anatomy teacher Going to ask my twelfth grade child about a binder check. I am making a note of it because guess what? Mommy's about to uh, to call the principal, right? Because that doesn't make any sense. Does that make sense? In the twelfth grade, I want my daughter learning anatomy in the twelfth grade in preparation for college, not a binder check. So she needs to get that. That teacher needs to get her priorities together, right? And this is, a, this is a note for all of us who have children, that this is something you, you probably need to think about. Do the due diligence and ask your kids what's going on in the classroom. Don't just sit back and take it that the teacher is doing what the teacher is supposed to do. Ask your child. You'd be surprised what comes out. You'd be surprised what your child tells you about what is going on in the classroom. Because this just blew my mind yesterday. I was like, what, 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 who is she talking to in the first place uh, as if people haven't got uh, Meanwhile, while she's telling the kids that on Instagram, <laughs> the students who just recently graduated and are in college are tweeting that they're, at, they're in college and their professor are, 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 are saying, well, you're all tired. Take a nap. We have 30 more hours to go study this. I'm like, what professor has time for a binder check when they have a hundred students in a lecture hall? Can you imagine that? Professors don't have time for that, they have a life. They got grants to write, right? They have to go skiing. They have papers, they have presentations to make. They don't have time for that foolishness, right? So that, 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 that teacher is about to hear from me. She's about to hear about the anatomy of a parent. That's what she's about to hear. And the anatomy of teaching an anatomy class in high school at the 12th grade level in preparation for college. You've got to be kidding me, folks. I'm telling you, you've got to hold people accountable to what the standard is. This is the standard 12th grade anatomy. So hold her accountable to the 12th grade anatomy standard, not the fifth grade binder check standard. You see what I'm saying? That's fifth grade stuff right? People need to get a reality check. This is why the kids are coming out of school not knowing Jack. It's not just the parents' fault. It's not just our fault. It's also the teachers' fault. They're not teaching the kids. They're pontificating and postulating and posturing and want followers on Instagram and Facebook, and they're not teaching. So I know good educators are out there. Well, if you're good, shout out to you. But for the rest of them, would you mind telling your colleagues how to be good educators and not ask for a binder check in the 12th grade in anatomy? Seriously. Anyway, so today, (laughs) and you wonder why so many millennials between 15 and 34 are, are, are thinking of, anyway, today is World Suicide Prevention Day. And that means that today is the day we sit back as a whole, as a group of people, as humanity, and focus on those among us who probably are struggling to find their way. It's not uncommon today, especially here in America, in, in, uh, the there, uh, statistics are alarming, one in seven persons, and every seven minutes, somebody is planning to take their life. I, I was shocked. In America, it's one in seven hours. In Michigan, it's one in seven hours. That's crazy. Someone is planning to take their life. The Wayne County Mental Health Authority ha- is renaming themselves here in, in, in Michigan. I'm focusing on Wayne County, Michigan right now. And here's something I read that kind of just blew my mind. The Wayne County Mental Health Authority handled 269 calls last year from, from folks who are planning to take themselves. That's 269,000. People who thought that just maybe it's time to end their lives. That was alarming to me. That tells me that suicide is pervasive. I'm going to call it what it is. It's called killing yourself. So I have a question for you. If you know someone, question them, persuade them. Yes, get in their face and persuade them not to take their life and refer them to someone. So the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 273-4353. I tweeted it earlier, but just in case uh, people want to ask that question, what it is, it's 273-8255. 800-273-8255. Now, having said all of that, I'm going to talk about the reasons why some of us might feel like killing ourselves. And I'm, I'm going to say it with the, the the veracity and with the brevity that comes from the fact that folks today are feeling more and more at a loss, feeling like they're not part of the mainstream, feeling like they're downstream from the scheme of things and from what is current and what is happening especially amongst people who are considered millennials between 15 and 34. It also spikes in midlife, and it spikes again in later life. People between over 50 to 60 tend to find themselves wanting to end their lives. You see it today. I mean, driving on the east side of Detroit is an adventure Mm -hmm, because I'm trying to avoid uh, taking 696, the freeway, So I end up in my commute, I end up having to take the mile roads and go east. And God help us all. God help us, the pedestrians. I'm wondering if everybody has a death wish because there's no way (laughs) you couldn't get me to cross the street in any thoroughfare, in any city, anywhere in the country. (laughs) I'm terrified. (laughs) I'm one of those who probably would take the bus, go up and down. I'm serious, I just couldn't do it, right? So you have to ask yourself, do people have a death wish? The way I see people walk across the street is jaywalking. They meander. But those are not the people invariably who take their lives. The people who take their lives look and sound like me and you. They're normal people who look like they have it going on. They look like they have it together. They look like they're in control. Some will even project an, a, 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 you know a sense of... Hopefulness, a sense of everything is okay, I have things together. Very rarely do you see people who are depressed who present themselves because people who intend to take their lives usually act as if they're not going to. They don't want you to know, right? Not because they're ashamed. Sometimes it's not the shame. It's that they really are just trying to find something to hope for. And there isn't. And these folks exist amongst us. They're what I call functional depressed. They're functional because they get up every day, they go to work, they take care of what they have to take care of, but deep down inside, they have no hope. Let me stress that. The reason people kill themselves is because of a lack of hope. Hope is a powerful thing. And in a lot of ways, it explains why so many people today, uh, so many people today are, are, are diminishing the message of hope. This is why Christianity is under attack. This is why faiths and religious activities are under attack. Now, there's a separation between religion and hope. I want to stress that because religion doesn't always mean you have hope. A lot of people have religion, but they have no hope. They have no compassion. They have no love. They don't espouse and talk about hope and love from their pulpits. They talk about hatred. They proselytize they feature and promulgate hatred of people. So people feel like there is no hope. Hope is a whole other stuff. Hope is what you need when the going gets tough and you have nowhere else to go. Hope is when you look in your bank account and it's $0 and you have nothing else to do. Hope is sending out 25 resumes and not one jack answer. Hope is sitting down wondering when they're going, when the bank writes you and tells you turn over the keys to the house. Hope is what you need when they are putting your car on the record to take it away because you never have, you don't have a job, you can't pay your car note, you lost your job. They're about to evict you from your apartment and they're about to take the keys from the house. They tell you to turn the keys in and vacate the house and then your car is being put up on a record and being towed away. Hope is what you need. Hope is what we're finding today people need, especially young people who are graduating college and have to go back home to live. Hope is what they need when they can't go back home because home is not a safe place. Hope is why they went to college in the first place because they can't live at home in the first place. So now they have graduated college, acquired the degree. The society says, you want a job? Go get a four-year degree. They went and got the four-year degree and they can't get a job, especially of people of color. So you went and got the degree and you still have to come back and live in the hood with your mama and them, and the 10,000 relatives who are laughing at you because you went and got the college degree thinking you were gonna get ahead. And here you are, you can't get a job. Hope is what you need. Hope is what you need when your boyfriend leaves you. Hope is what you need when your girlfriend leaves you. Hope is what you need when your husband walks through the door. Hope is what you need when your wife walks out the door. Hope is what you need when at the end of the day, they tell you they don't need you anymore and you have to leave and the security guard is walking you through the door and you don't have a penny saved and you don't have a jack work to come to tomorrow and you still have bills to pay. Hope is what we need. We all need hope. We need hope. And what is happening is that people without hope, people have no hope. And so what when people have no hope, They say, well, it would be better if I end my life. If if my life doesn't mean anything anyway, there is nothing quite like rejection. You realize that hope is the opposite, is the antithesis of rejection. When you experience rejection, when someone rejects you, either when they take away your hope, it's either your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, uh, lover, partner, Right? rejects you and tells you they don't want you anymore, that's rejection. When they fire you, that's rejection. The opposite of that is hope. If you if you have hope, you know you will find love again. But first you have to believe that something good will happen to you. And I'm not here to promulgate and tell you that something good is going to happen to you and it's going to be hunky-dory and fairy tale and everything is just going to be la-la-la-la-la. No, it's a process to extricate yourself from the darkness of oppression and depression that has subjected you to these living conditions. And depression today and lack of hope does not look like people living in a hovel, does not look like people in a hobo suit, does not look like people who are just walking, no, it's normal everyday people, people who from the outside you would think they have something to look forward to, but somewhere down deep inside something is wrong. And we got to make the distinction in separating people mental illness from someone wanting to hurt themselves. Everybody who wants to kill themselves is not mentally off. Some people just have a lack of hope for the moment. And I want to tell you how temporary and momentary it is because I'm living witness. I've been there. I am the person who lacked hope. I am the person who didn't know what on earth I was going to do. And I had two children with me and I had to give up my home. I had to run from my home because they were going to kill me if I lived there and come to live. I went from a 4,000 square foot house with, with, uh, with, with a three car garage behind a gated community and came to live in my mother's house in Detroit. That was, that house was probably like 700 square feet or 900 square feet or something like that. I kid you not. It was the size of the, and my master bedroom was bigger than it. The master bedroom plus the bathroom plus the closet was bigger than it. I kid you not. I could have ended my life. I could have said there was nothing to live for. But the question I asked my mother was, what am I going to do to get myself out of this so this won't happen to me again? I was young enough. Yes, you can say I was young enough. I was 38. But I felt like my life was over. I'm like, I'm 38 years old. Who wants to go back home to say that you failed at life? Tell me. Who? I was 38 with two children. I was grown, people. Right? So I'm saying this to you young people out there who are struggling with this idea that going back home means that you are a failure. Nothing could be further from the truth. Sometimes you have to re engineer, reclassify, redesign. You ever heard the word re engineer, re innovate? You have to start over. That's all it is. My friends, whatever you're facing. If they took the car, okay, so you can buy another one. I am living witness to that. They came and took a car that I had that I thought I was dependent on. And I thought the world, I wasn't gonna ever have transportation. Girl, please. I went down to Hertz rent a car, rented a car for three months until I bought myself a Range Rover. Now imagine you went from a Chevrolet Impala to a Range Rover. That's what I'm talking about. That's hope. That will give you hope any minute now, right? I kid you not, living witness, I'm not telling a lie. I kid you not. The, the, the Impala I was paying more for the Impala than it was worth. They had to take it. I was lucky I let, I held on to it for two more years after I lost my full-time job. I used up all my savings, chasing a car note. I should have let them take it from the first, in hindsight, you see what I'm saying? So, so I often ask myself the question, what happens to people when they kill themselves? When they go to heaven, what happens? What what happened? Do they get a chance to say? If I had held on, I'm a firm believer that if you hold on long enough, things will change. If a man, wa- ladies, ladies, I know you loved him, and you know I know you think that no other love will come into your life, and I know you think he he loved you and he made love to you in a way that no other man can. Ladies, I'm here to tell you, hold on, you will find a better one that feels better. Treats you better and loves you more. Trust me on that story. Living witness. And if you think that just because they walk out of your life means that you are not beautiful anymore, you're not pretty anymore, you are not wanted anymore, that's not true. I want you here. I want to hear your story. I want you to come on my show and tell me how dark the barrel was, how dark the situation and the valley was, and how you got out of it. Would you do that for me? Just hang on a little bit longer. So if you come across somebody who wants to hurt themselves, the National Suicide Prevention Line is 1-800-273-4255. I need everybody to remember that because I want you to spread hope and I want you to question the person. Why do you want to hurt yourself? Are you playing? Here's what you ask people. Are you planning to kill yourself? Just ask them. Straight up. Don't beat around the bush like, huh, I'm going to hammer on it. Just say, are you planning to kill yourself? Ask that question. If they say yes or no, you, you persuade them nonetheless, whether they answer yes or no, persuade them. Say no, don't do it. There is hope available. And then refer them. Call the suicide prevention number right from your phone and say, here, talk to someone right now. And stop them. You don't want them The worst thing that can happen is someone feeling so alone that no one in the world cares. Have you ever been there? I was on radio, y'all, talking to people, right? People messaging me and calling and telling me how my words changed their lives. And yet I too found myself in a place where I wondered if anyone cared. When adversity came, I wondered, is there anybody out there who cares about me? Is there anybody who cares if I live or die? I found that I had to cling to hope. I had to believe in myself. There was not one person around me that I could really, I found that I was amongst people who hated me or who were jealous, right? And so the situation was more adversarial. They didn't care if I lived or died. In fact, maybe some of them wanted me dead because I was competition to them. So I had to cling to hope that my latter days are going to be greater than my current days, than my former days. See, most of us tend to look at the past and we go around the past. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, if someone leaves you, that's the past. Leave them alone in the past. That's where they belong. Cling to the future. If I were you, I'd go do 60 squats a day, go work your arms up, man or woman, whatever you are. And go stand before the mirror and say, this is too good for that Negro, for that man, for that woman to share. This is too good for that honky to share. This is too good. I'm too good for that stuff. Build yourself up and tell yourself, even if no one loves me, I love me. I've told you the story about my own story when my ex-husband used to call me a fat cow. And I was all of a size six, y'all. Flat stomach and looking good and so on. And he called me a fat cow. I used to stand before the bathroom mirror and I would kiss my own hand and tell myself that I love me because I was surrounded by people who looked like they didn't love me. They were all his friends. So they weren't on my side. They were on his side. And some of you might find yourself in a position like that. It sounds to me like your circle is wrong. You're not surrounded by people who love you and affirm you. This is why I tell you all, surround yourselves with those who celebrate you and not those who tolerate you can we all say amen to that right if you find yourself more often than not people who want to hurt themselves don't have enough people who can tell them I love you and you are valuable to me and if those are not the people around you then you need to change your circle until you find the people who love you and value you and yes it is easy and sometimes people who are depressed can't even respond to love that's when you question them that's when you persuade them and that's when you refer them because now they need to go talk to someone who is going to give them medicine right and who is going to help them because it could just be a depletion of their hormones there could be many factors that contribute it's no one factor that contributes to someone wanting to kill themselves there are many factors that are different that are applicable based on people's life circumstances. And some people have been hiding and dealing with this for a long time. I have found that people who say they're going to kill themselves is not the first, second, or third time. It's just a lack of hope. They come to a place where they feel like they can't go on anymore and they need hope. And that's why I'm coming to you today to talk about it and to share my story to help someone else. Maybe it's not you, but maybe someone around you Maybe somebody who needs to hear this. I don't know. But I want to encourage you because I want you to know that there is help available. So go to, go to my website, HarrietKemmick.com and go to the ExodusFoundation.com. We speak hope all day long. And make sure you join us and listen in on Spotify and other platforms in which we talk about hope and its impact. And this is why I say all the time. So thank you so much. uh, Listeners on one uh, platform are leaving. Thank you for joining us. Uh, But this is why I say that, folks, your name is Terry. Hi, Terry. Right. This is why I say that it's so important for us to make sure that we spread the message